Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Father, I thank you for your blessing over us. Let, this, let your word now impact our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's take our seats. God is good. God hears the prayers of his people. He responds to our cry and uh, he's an awesome, awesome God. Last Sunday, we had a great day. We had our partnership. Uh, we surprised all of our partners and gave them all a gift. And uh, we also welcomed new partners. We had our AGM and celebrated some amazing things that God has done, is doing, and for the future. And I was stirred again how amazing the family of God is. This week, I read in uh, one of the Word for Today stories, the story is told of a mother who woke her son one Sunday morning and said, get up, you're late for church. He replied, I don't want to go. I've no friends there. The music is awful and the sermons are boring. The woman replied, you've got to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> That's a worry, eh? <laughs> But it, asks, it brings the question, why go to church? Why do we need to go to church? Why does God want us to come to church on Sundays and gather in life groups and small groups throughout the week? Why does he want us to come to church? This guy, the music was boring and the sermons were irrelevant and he had no friends. He, had, he was trying to work out why he should go. But we come because we worship God. And I want to look a little bit more about what Joe was sharing, how the church is a family and, and the, some of the rewards of belonging to church, not just coming to church, but belonging to church, being involved in the life of the kingdom of our God. Why should you go to church? Because Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 in the Amplified. It says, Husbands, love your wives Seek the highest good for her and surround her with a caring, unselfish love, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word of God, so that in turn he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy, set apart for God, and blameless. Wow, what a, what a prayer. What a declaration that God sees the church. Now, when we think of the church, the church is not just a building or an organization. We have buildings we gather in. There is organizational structure for pastors and leaders. And as we uh, realized last week, you've got to have accountability for finances and, and all those things. You need all those things happening. But it's much more than an organization. It's a living organism of life where we gather, where life flows from one to the other, where we get encouraged and taught. It's not just a building. It's people in the building. The church is the body of Christ. It's Christ living in you and I. So when we come to church, we are gathering together because Christ is in us. And we are joined together. That's why the Bible calls the church the body of Christ. The head and we're the body. What an amazing picture. And yet some people really struggle with that. Because they've been 
wounded or disappointed or had um, religious traditions and things that have happened that have wounded our attitude. The media have always painted, often painted the church as irrelevant, boring, religious or just out to take advantage of people. It's like if you went to a wedding and you're invited as a guest and at the reception say, oh, thanks for inviting us to the wedding. I love you, mate. You're awesome, but I don't like your bride. How would that go over? Not real well, and yet there's a lot of people do that every day to the church because the church is the bride of Christ. So we love Jesus, but when we speak down to or get critical of or disconnected from or negative about the church, and remember the church is the people in the church, so when we actually get negative and critical about a Christian in the church, we're actually dishonoring Jesus. Wow, wow, wow. Now, this is a bit of a challenge. Well, said so they're just people that sit in front or behind or in the church. But when we get negative and critical, we're actually dishonoring Jesus. Remember... The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul, he was the terrorist, he was a religious zealot that was out to, he thought Jesus was not the Messiah and so he was out bringing havoc to the new church in the book of Acts, getting people arrested, some even killed. He's on his horse riding to Damascus and a lightning bolt from heaven comes, knocks him off his horse, God speaks to him and this is what it says, Saul Saul, why do you persecute me? Not the church, me. Jesus said, and he said, who are you? He says, I'm the one you're persecuting. So Jesus clearly taught that the church is the body of Christ. And when you damage the church, you damage Jesus. Wow. Well, that's a whole different ballgame. This is what we need to understand. And so we need to build up the body because it says Jesus died on the cross because he loved the people. God so loved the world that he gave. He loved the people. He established the church on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. He said, gather together and do all these different things to pray, to teach, to worship, all those things. And he did that so that we can be an expression of, the, of his kingdom on earth and that we are joined together as the family of God. We are the body of Christ. You say, well, hold on. Some of the Christians I know, they're hypocritical and they got a lot of junk in their life. Hey, we're all on a journey of faith and recovery and healing. As one person said, we're all Christians under construction. So let's, that's why we need large doses of grace, large doses of love and wisdom and support because we're all on this journey. Well, I read that and say, without spot and wrinkle... And pure and holy and glorious splendor, I think, whoa, Lord, we've still got a little way to go. Yes, we have. But the Spirit of God is changing and setting us free. And how awesome it is. So when you think about, well, Sunday morning, I better go to church. That's a great habit. And I thank God I was raised in a family that took us to church every Sunday. And I've said before, I can count on my hand the number of Sundays I wasn't in church from when I was a baby till I was 17. When I left home and uh, was busy working and got transferred so my family made sure I was in church every Sunday not because it was a religious duty but because they understood the power of this truth that we gather 
together. Now, sadly, it's become an optional extra. Oh, we're too busy, so we'll go to church when we can. And I think God teaches how, how you see the body of Christ. And we all live busy lives, and I understand that. I don't want to put condemnation on anyone, but I want us to understand the power of this so that then we, we love the body of Christ just like Jesus did. It's people gathering together in relationship and service to the Lord, to our families and to our community. Uh, I read this in the Word for Today. Dr. Jay Kesler gives five, re- five reasons for belonging to church. Number one, it's the only organisation that still deals with issues like salvation, death, judgment, grace, purpose, heaven and hell. You're not going to get a lot of those things talked about. You'll get a few of them talked about in your workplace or in education, but you'll never get anywhere that covers all those things apart from in church, the body of Christ, because that's what the Word of God does for our lives. This is not to minimise your individual personal walk with God, with our devotions and prayer and choosing to live good values in our families and our workplace. We are individual followers of Jesus But God knows that we need to be in families and we need to be in the family of God for us to grow and live this out. Secondly, he said, it adds value and dignity to human life. We live in a secular culture that contributes to our own sense of inner worthlessness. The church counteracts this negative message by preaching God's love and acceptance and truth. How awesome. You can come into church feeling a bit overwhelmed. You've been beaten up at work. There's been some strains in friendships or neighbours or relationships. Things aren't going well, but you come into the body of Christ, you feel loved. We sing a few songs. Someone shares a devotion. You preach the word and you fellowship and pray for one another. You go out thinking, wow, God, you love me. Thank you for family and friends. Lord, thank you for giving me hope for this week that I can, I can deal with some of those things that are swamping and draining and overcoming. The lies of the enemy have lost their power. You've seen the truth that exposes the junk. Lord, I see my own self. The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the truth is the truth of Jesus, but it's also the truth about yourself and it's the truth about one another. And so as you know that, you can walk through the things that disappoint and discourage and overwhelm. Our own personalities, sometimes we're our own worst enemies. We beat ourselves up so often. But God, Jesus comes to give us worth, value, and by in the relationships in the family of God, it can restore our souls. And I thank God for this church for hundreds of people have get restored, encouraged, a sense of purpose. Number three, it provides a moral and spiritual compass. Society has revised, revisited, and rejected absolutes, embracing relativism, but the church stands on the timeless rock of God's Word. Hallelujah. That we've got the Bible and God's Word to guide us in our relationships, our morals, our ethics, our standards. Truth experienced is never forgotten. We can can read the Bible, we can have someone explain how to live as in marriage or parenting or as an employee or an employer. We're going to have someone tell us stuff, but when you get a revelation and it's experienced, you'll never forget it. And that's why church is an encounter culture. We have an encounter culture. What I mean by that is we make room for people to, we encourage one another to encounter God's presence during the worship. We encourage people to encounter love and forgiveness in our praying for one another. 
Sadly, some churches don't make a lot of space for that. So you can come in and go out and not always encounter God's presence or encounter being loved and accepted. And, and we also make room to be challenged, to grow, to challenged, to face up to things that we are hiding or blaming or denying. I remember meeting a family years ago and they came to our church for a while and they stopped coming. And I found their phone number. I rang them up and said, guys... You seem to be really enjoying church. We haven't seen you for months. I said, is anything wrong? They said, oh, we love coming to your church. But every time we come, God so challenges us that we just can't face the change, so we're just going to hide. And I thought, how sad is that? They love God, love church. But every time they came, the Spirit of God was just encouraging them, challenging them to grow and mature and challenging them to not live selfish lives, but to get, get involved and serve and love. At least they were honest with me and told me what the real issue was. Most people won't even tell you. I'll just hide. I said, oh, we get challenged too much at your church. I thought, oh, Lord. I reckon if you walked around Jesus for a, a couple of months, you would have been challenged every day about dealing with attitudes and, and making your life count. We want it to be a safe place, but we want to also grow. We want to mature. We can learn, always learn how to do it. And that's why someone shares their story like Joe today. And all of a sudden we go away and say, hey, God, I can, I can see that restoration happen in my heart. Lord, I, I've got, I know there's some stuff going on in my extended family. And I'm praying and believing for your grace and healing to reach their souls. Lord, help me not to judge, but to love and be a bridge of your grace from heaven to reach their soul. And so it's a beautiful way. That we do life together. And he also wrote, it's where you find compassion, healing and community. God's spirit is working in all of us to join us together as believers, guaranteeing us all act to come together and worship. You start to sing these songs and your spirit starts to lift. Usually by about the second or third song, I could take on the world, you know, no matter how good or bad a week I've had. Your spirit lifts, we sing that song. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. You think, wow, no matter what's going on in our society and the challenges that are happening in the media and in our community and our workplaces, Jesus, you are still the truth and the rock and you're the one that can change our lives. And lastly, he said, I believe other institutions... Unlike other institutions, it has motivated the most lasting, unselfish, essential, courageous endeavours on earth. Things like missions, schools, hospitals, food pantries, rehab centres and orphanages. Nearly all of them have come out of churches directly or indirectly or out of the body of Christ. Thank God for that. And in some in our nation pushing to sideline Christianity and truth and God's values, they don't realise the darkness that comes. I've been to nations on missions trips that have not had the name of Jesus lifted on high and there is darkness. There is very little compassion and care for their own people. Jesus is the one who brings all of those things into our lives. Why go to church? Because Jesus loves the church and so should we. We're a big family. I just love this family of God. All the different ages, backgrounds, nationalities, um, experiences, stories, challenges. I just thank God for it. It's rewarding to feel that you're accepted and belong to Jesus and you belong in the church, the body of Christ. This is our spiritual home. Where's home? Home is where your heart is. We've got our natural homes. And I thank God for this spiritual family. It's where our home is, our heart is. And life flows from it. 
We come and we get blessed and, and fed and encouraged and we also serve. And I thank God, last week we honoured, we've got over 200 volunteers that serve in our church in all sorts of ways. On frontline teams, in our kids' ministry, morning tea rosters, teaching, working in the schools, doing all sorts of multitudes, following up new Christians, uh, helping out in transformation. We've got over 200 people that have said, hey, this is our spiritual home and we're going to put something in, not just come in and, and take. And I just thank God and, and more, many more saying, hey, we'd love to just serve and the joy of partnership. Jesus loves the church, his body. Acts, now we'll look at Ephesians 1, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There's the reminder again that Jesus is the head and we're the body. And as we focus on the head, he fills us and then there's life flows all throughout the body. And many people that come in here, when you first arrive, you think, oh, this is different. It's, it's noisy. It's exciting. But you quickly feel loved and you encounter his truth. And something starts to shift and change in our lives. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. We're called to belong. So when you come become a Christian, you are called to be a son or a daughter, a follower of Jesus. And then Jesus never leaves you on your own. He says, I want you to belong to the family. And so that's where the church, the body of Christ is so, so powerful. And he calls us to be connected, not disconnected. There might be a time where I remember years ago, when I was in, on the Sunday goes, we had a young guy came to church. He was so downtrodden, had battled with drugs, he had had broken family. I remember the first four Sundays, someone invited him, and he sat with his head between his hands. You never saw his face or eyes for four whole weeks. He just couldn't face anyone. He felt so terrible about himself and such a broken man. I remember the fifth Sunday. As we were sharing, as I gave the altar call, I saw him slightly lift his head and look at me. I thought, wow. Within a couple of months, he gave his heart to Jesus. His name was Damien, and I just was talking to someone who actually invited him to church. I met them again recently. And they said, he's going on for Jesus. He's married, got kids, and had a successful career. And yet when he came in, he was one of the most broken, downtrodden people of humanity I'd ever met. He couldn't even lift his face. And that's the power of Jesus, you see. That's how God can set people free. And the people just loved him. They didn't pressure him. They just loved him and accepted him. And over a period of months and years, he's now, that's over 30 years ago, and he's kept going on for Jesus. Others of us come in, not as broken, but we, don't sh we aren't sure where we fit, disconnected, or there's some skeletons in the closet of our souls that we just need God's grace and love. God's love, perfect love drives out fear so it needs to be a safe place where we can face our fears and let the spirit of God heal and restore our souls and then we become ones who bring healing to others in Jesus name 1 Corinthians 12 27 says now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it each with his own special purpose and function wow that's a beautiful thought so individually we're members collectively we are the body of Christ. Last week we talked about partnership and, and uh, just being connected. 
by heart and spirit, but we have a process in our church where you can sign up and uh, do our DNA Next Steps course and become a partner where you agree and say, hey, this is my spiritual home. I want to formally acknowledge that. And we had over 30 people at the end of last week signed up and said, hey, we're interested. If you're still interested and would like to know some more, you can put your name down on the list down the back there in a couple of weeks' time. We're having a, a meeting at our home on Wednesday week and you'll get an invite to come and we'll talk about our church culture and, and how you can connect. And if you're interested in signing up and then in the new year, we'll welcome partners, more partners in. Because I just think there's something important about belonging, say, we're connected. This is our home. And we're not ashamed to acknowledge that. And something <clears throat> powerful happens in this individual broken world. We're vitally connected. Moses, flourish where you are, planted. Jesus has called us to be children of the Lord, the body of Christ, to be servants, friends, and partners with him. How awesome is that, that God would trust us, knowing how broken we are, and yet he still uses us to, to speak and live out his incredible gospel of life. And what a joy it is. There's great reward because you start to love and be loved. You feel excited with having friends on this journey of life. Ephesians 4.1 says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Wow. Just to know that oneness. The enemy always comes to divide and separate. When you feel like you're not doing well, you want to hide. You think, I'm not good enough to go to church, so I'll hide. That's the very place we need to be for the blood of Jesus to cleanse us, for someone to love us and encourage us and give us hope. The enemy will try and separate you, but the Spirit of God will always gather us. He will join us. He will, that's why he, you'll be in this week, you'll think, oh, someone so hasn't been to church for a couple of weeks. Pray for them and then send them a text or an email and invite them and say, hey, I haven't seen you for all. Is everything okay? You know, that's how the body builds each other up. This is what Ephesians 4.11 says. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So with our teaching, with our ministering, leadership that God's put in, we build one another up. We teach and inspire and encourage. Then it goes on and says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Hallelujah. We work together. The Spirit of God joins us together. Up. And I, I just love someone that smiles at you at the morning tea time. Someone who comes on Friday nights and helps prepare for the kids club. And those who drive our buses. And those who go into the schools and teach RI and their chaplains. Many of you are business and professional. Doctors, nurses, teachers, carers, counsellors. You're out there bringing life to the body, to the community. And how often does God link you up with another Christian in the journey? How often do you find someone searching for truth? That you are able to love them. And support them into the kingdom. So together, we are the body of Christ. Acts 2.42, I won't read it, but it says nine things they did in the early church. It says they, uh, they, they did teaching, 
They did fellowship and food. Hallelujah. Always around food. Jesus did most of his great sermons around food. Loved doing miracles and feeding the crowds. So if you want to have people come to your place, just offer free food. <coughs> and uh, communion, prayer, signs and wonders, sharing resources, joy, praise, worship and salvation. They grew daily. These are the things that happened in the early church. And that's what God's teaching us to do. Ephesians 5.29 says, For no one ever hated his own body, but instead he nourishes it, nourishes and protects and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members or parts of his body. Wow. Romans 12.4 says, Each member belongs to all the others. Wow. So when we're in the body of Christ, we actually belong to one another. We belong to Christ, and so He's our com. So we actually belong to one. We have a responsibility of love, support, accountability, care. We belong to one another. You can't say, I don't feel like encouraging anyone today. We belong. It's like a mum saying, well, I don't want to feed the kids today for the next three weeks. I'm, I'm over this. Relationship says, no, you do it whether you feel like it or not. And so there's a sense of obligation and commitment in the body that we belong to one another, so we have a belonging to, to rescue and support one another, to pray for one another, to minister grace and love to one another. I think that's so awesome how the body of Christ flourishes, functions. And this message today is not to challenge that we're not doing it. This is to encourage, to give us understanding how to do it better and how to do it from our heart. And Jesus is the head and we are His body. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. We are the body of Christ. Come on down, worship team. I want to read one more verse. This one always stirs me. I just... Matthew 16, verses 17 and 18 in the message. This is Jesus talking to Peter. Peter's just had the revelation that He's the Messiah. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God Himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. How awesome is when you get to know Jesus, He starts to tell you who you really are. He starts to release the destiny and the grace and power. And then He goes on and says, you are Peter, a rock. Because his name was Simon Peter. Simon meant a reed, an unstable, impetuous, easily damaged person. He says, you're the rock. You're going to become a rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise tonight. That's the church that Jesus is building. So full of energy, life, power, truth, grace, that no matter what the enemy might try and do, he can't squash that, kill it. He can't destroy the life of Jesus in you and I because he's raising up his awesome, powerful church, a place of healing, love, hope, instruction, truth that can set us free and can be life to our community that is desperately searching for answers in the midst of this darkness that's around us. Wow. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.